last week, Jordan, I had to cut out a bunch of it because it was basically the first minute of you eating. And all I could hear is... Just eating that cinnamon yeah. bread like it's going out of style. Oh, dude, that shit was so good. And the, Thank you to Bianca. The best part was is later, I think it was the next day, we were watching Barb, our cat, sitting there eating the crumbs. Mm. So she was just like a nice little vacuum mm. eating up all of Jordan's crumbs. <laughs> oh, I bet she there. licked it up, too. Oh, she loved it. Now she has type 2 diabetes. She's a good little sandpaper tongue baby. <laughs> she got sharp teeth, though. She is. She's she's in that, like, weird teenager age where it's, like, borderline psychopath kind of. It's my favorite cat age. That's your favorite cat age? Yes. I like the ones that are, uh, they, they're a little violent. <laughs> <laughs> she's very violent. And sometimes they have to be taught, no, 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 no. Adam, I wanted to ask you, because you said you caught up on Hard Knocks, right? Yeah. Okay, so I have a conspiracy theory, because obviously we know today Antonio Brown got released. Mm-hmm. And then signed again. By the Patriots, yeah, obviously. Uh, we knew that was going to happen. But anyway, so during the show, obviously before it even started, he had all the drama. The helmet. Right. And I think it was episode three or four, I think he was going out of his way to make himself be some good guy dude he was trying to make himself look like a saint yeah he's like going to high school signing autographs he's doing all this he wanted to portray himself as like the innocent guy it's perfect pr yeah it's perfect pr (laughs) have you seen the meme going around reddit about it where it's like antonio brown signed a 30 million dollar guaranteed contract and by the end, or from when he signed it to now, he's made negative $300,000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, Antonio, what do you have to do? Show up and play football. Okay, I, I can do that. I know. No, 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 no. Just kick a guy in the face again. That was fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. That was the coolest thing I've ever seen. I forgot about that. I think I think this year they banned jumping. Or leaping, I think. Wow. I think you can... Or, is that right, Jordan? Or, you or can is that only on field goals? <clears throat> Maybe that's only on field goals. Oh, uh, yeah. I think it's on field goals. Special it's one of those, defense. like, experimental rules. I think you can, No, I think it's any of it. You can't jump within, like, so many yards of the line of scrimmage. Okay. So, huh. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. Mitch Trubisky for MVP? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. He's catching flack. He's catching flack. He's not flack. good. He's fine. He's a serviceable mm. quarterback. He's fine. I don't know. He didn't throw no, the, the ball. The Packers very just good. changed their defense. They're essentially copying like the '84 Bears and what college teams do now, or '85 Bears. '85 Bears. Yeah, like the scheme the Packers ran on Thursday night is the exact same scheme they do you ran. Know what I'm doing playing legacy teams on you, Madden, but that's what college do you like, not, teams are using now. Do you not realize that every single team uses the '85 Bears? Uh, what did they call it? Uh, like osmosis defense or something like that no, it's a nickel package with uh i think it's called it used to be called the bear line no all it is is where they overload the linemen with more people that was the 85's bears yeah they didn't realize how to like prevent it or whatever right i don't know i don't think they're breaking any ground here jordan well they're not i'm just saying they're <laughs> adapting effective. it and doing well mm, sorry i'm i'm putting the game on mitch trubinsky he sucks. I call him Johnny Trubs for some reason. Johnny? Was that a football player? I don't know, but I call him Johnny <laughs> Trubs whenever I'm talking to Herschel. <laughs> Johnny Trubs, okay. Noted noted uh, Bears fan, Herschel. <laughs> 
Well, I'm sure by the end of the year he'll jump to another team. Doesn't he do that? You know, once he once <laughs> once he gets his heart broken, yeah, he he finds a bandwagon. <laughs> I remember when the Cubs won the World Series. Then he started wearing his White Sox hat around. Yeah, <laughs> fucking yeah. <hell> <laughs> Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bumblebutt Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that uploads weekly. Who knows what it'll be about? Certainly not me. My name is Adam. <laughs> Sitting across from me is Jordan. Hello. How's it going, bud? Oh, I'm... Bushwhacked? Fuck, yeah. You know what? Just right out the gate, I'm gonna assume everybody's week was as dumb and stupid as mine was. Is that true? It was a short yeah. week, though. So yours was fine? You had a fine week? No, it wasn't fine, but that wasn't my <laughs> fault. It was my partner's fault. Okay, so this week was shit. Jordan, it was shit for you too. Yeah, I had to fucking work on a holiday that was created so people that do what I do get a fucking day off. Yeah, but that's funny. In fact... Because it happened to you. In fact, he, you specifically said that we shouldn't have the day off, and you should because you're a quote-unquote laborer. You did say that. Yeah, it was designed for the trades. It's a weird flex on us. It and, is. And Especially for somebody that's not even in the union. <laughs> he will be one day. He's a fucking scab laborer. I've applied for a few of them. He is a goddamn scab. <laughs> I am a scab. Which one are you trying to get in, like, the plumber's union? What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, just, be yeah. just because... I know the basics of how plumbing works. Hot left, cold right, shit runs downhill. Do you know how to plunge a sink? Because as we discussed on this show, I know how to. That, I don't think it would be that hard. It's not hard, boys. It's real easy. I think how to do it's literally in the title. Oh, plunge, plunge the sink. sink. Gotcha. Plunge the sink. Well, maybe I was trying to make it a little more high tech than mm. it needed to be. It would have been awesome if you bought like a really expensive snake and everything and were like trying to do it all professional. Mm. <laughs> and then it just needed a boom, boom mm. with the plunger. <laughs> all right, Jordan, you had a shitty week. You worked on a labor holiday. Yep. You have grief with that. I understand. And I had to work today. And you had to work on a Saturday. I, I got woken up by a phone call from one of my coworkers, like, hey, where are you? I'm like, uh, you literally woke me up? And they're like, why aren't you at work? And I'm like, I, it's Saturday, and I wasn't told I had to be. Is it a fucking mandatory? He's like, yeah. I'm like, fucking boss man never told me it was, so. Were you all uh, hummed over? No, I was just fucking tired. Wow. You're always tired, though. That's true. <laughs> All right, Jordan, good job. Also sitting across from me, diff drinking a different brand of Mexican beer no, this week. I've been drinking Pacifico for a while, haven't I? No, Modelo. No? Okay. Last week was Modelo as well. Pacifico, this is your... Yeah, Pacifico's I'll, my fucking favorite. I'll, no, I'll say this. I'm going to thank Jordan for one thing, um, recommending Pacifico because now I've been drinking it. Nonstop. Pretty, yeah, that's the new one. Cody, you've became an alcoholic recently. No, 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 no. I, I'm just saying, if I drink, that you is drink what I all, drink. You drink the same amount as Jordan now. <laughs> oh, come on. No, that's not that's, fair. That's like comparing, that's just mean. That's, that's not. That's like fair. comparing a water slide to the Hoover Dam. You have like one beer per recording. <laughs> yeah. If I get to, if I drink too much, I lose focus. And I, know. I can't do that. I know. You need to have your druthers suffers, about you. Know. All right, Cody. What did you do this week? Um, worked. Yeah. And then, oh, I'm going to tell a quick story here before, okay. we, before we get into this. Let's so, tell me. Last night I went to Barrio's, had some quesadillas, 
had some Pacificos. Well, afterwards, we were like, okay, let's ride the little scooters around, right? Like the lime scooters. Mm. You fucking love those things. If, in the middle of the night, it's pretty fun. Fucking hipster so trash. So I got, I got heckled twice. Good. Okay. For, or secondly, a carload of girls were like screaming at us. I don't. They Hell yeah. Did their, you show them your wiener? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yee. I flashed my wiener. No, Woo. but then we passed this other one. I think it was a cab driver. And he told us, he's like, you guys are gay. Yeah. That's literally what he yelled out the window. Jesus Christ. I'm like, okay, sir, you're driving a cab. Get out of here. Oh, he's mad that you're uh, taking away his business. He could have been ferrying you around. (laughs) I guess. He's mad at... Instead, he just called you a ferry. He's mad at Uber when he's... And he's projecting it on me. Scooter. That's exactly what it is. And you're an easy target. Right. Yeah. The last thing was... So th- there's a lady standing on a planter, okay, mm. and there's probably like 30 people around her. So I thought it was maybe Normal, like a right. like a cult or yeah, something. Yeah, sure. So I was like, okay, we got to get over there and find out what they're talking about. And but I didn't want to get too close to them, so we went on the other side of the street and we're sitting there listening. The fucking ghost tour. Oh, I'm, I didn't oh, even know they shit. did that there. Did you sign up? No, I was just sitting over there listening talking about the spookies. Well, maybe we should uh, do it. <laughs> I'm trying to think what the building was. It looked like an old government building. Oh, like the spookiest. Paul? It was like on the lower, the southern side of downtown. The ghost of oh. bureaucrats pass. You can see the Skyway leads in there. Mm. <laughs> and there's a fart ghost right the Skyway there. leads it. It's not Union Depot, then. I don't know. I don't know. It's like a short building. There's a really tall one behind it. Is it Union Depot? I'm just kidding. I have no idea. <laughs> this is be. going nowhere. <laughs> Cut most of that. Okay. All right. Uh, Cody, you know what? This yeah. week, I think it's time we get back into the realm of storytelling. Yes. And from what I heard from you, from mm. what you told me, mm. is that this one might be a multi-parter. Yes, it will. Um, I'm still working on it. It could be... It's definitely going to be minimal two, maybe three. I don't, I don't know. I haven't gotten that far yet. You were just busting out the big guns. I gotta. Hey, you know what? We're on the uh, we're on the road to a hundred episodes here. Are we? We know what happens at a hundred, uh-huh, don't we? Uh huh. The big man. Yeah, we do. We have to do Ed. Um. <laughs> actually, well, don't spoil it. I think we well, made it. Yeah, we've clear. talked that <laughs> on episode one hundred, and uh, also about the consistent ten thousand downloads a month yep. tattoo idea. <laughs> we've talked about <laughs> we're that. Try, too. We're trying to get yeah. to that one. <laughs> um. So I'm not going to tell you guys what I'm doing. You're probably, well, the audience will know from the title, but oh. I'm pretty sure you will know very quickly who we're going to do. You know what? I don't like that what? Cody sets us up to look like fools. No. I know. Giving the audience more information than his own <laughs> friends should and co-hosts. I Should I just put in the title, like, just blanks in there? No, like, I don't think so. you have to listen <laughs> to find so. out? I don't do, think like, the do first letter of the, the first name and then dashes for the rest and do the same for the All last right, name. Yeah, there we go. And then we'll just play hangman with the audience. <laughs> All right. You ready? Right. <laughs> All right, you're probably going to, I'm telling you, you'll pick it up pretty fast. I'm excited. In the late 1950s, there would be a man who would shake a small rural community in Wisconsin to its core. What they would later uncover from his little house of horrors would become the thing of legends. How could anyone have expected to walk into a home filled with such depraved and deviant behavior that that had never been witnessed on such a large scale before? This man's depravity would later inspire such characters in classic films 
such as Norman Bates and Alfred Hitchcock. Uh-oh. Alfred Hitchcock Psycho. I know where we're going. Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. Or even my personal favorite. Let's hear it. Jordan Fox from Druid. No. Uh, <laughs> Buffalo Bill from the amazing movie Silence of the Lambs. One of the best. Who exactly was this? Well, this is none other than the infamous serial killer we have all heard of at this point. Edward Theodore Gein. Mr. Ooh, Eddie Gein. We're so, finally tackling yeah, the old bastard, some, huh? We're, doing, we're going right for the big butt here. I like big, it. He's like the J-Lo butt of serial killers. This is killers. like our first really big name one that we've done. Yeah, kind of. Some of the ones... You Nelson. Can, yeah, he's big, too. Yeah. But we're going to be going... I think I got a lot of information you probably have never heard of before here. Dude. So the book I used is, I shouldn't, I, we've been getting off track with naming sources here. Right. But we, yes, we have. <laughs> it's called uh, Deviant by Harold Schechter. Okay. And I think he's like the top tier guy on most of the, the serial killer books. And his book is actually amazing. It's like one of the first times I can remember reading a true crime book where you're just not just like, oh my God, get to the fucking point here. On it's some like of the forums, intriguing. on some of the forums I read, this book comes up quite often. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I'll say this: terrible cover, great book. <laughs> I know it was written a while ago, but terrible cover. Hey, that it's happens. Just, it's just like Ed's head with a bunch of like hippie graph, like I don't even know how to sure. describe it. It's just like not, psychedelic not shit. Yeah, it's just like come you, on, updated Harold. You know what? That uh, on Netflix, there's a show called like Serial Killers with Piers Morgan. <laughs> I will never watch it, but the cover of it is just the dumbest looking fella I've ever seen. I feel like I've seen that on every. Isn't it just him like sitting on a chair, just kind of like staring? I will never ever watch Serial Killers with Piers Morgan. <laughs> Before we dive headfirst into Ed Gein, or Eddie Gein, as some refer to him as, have you ever heard him been called that, Eddie? No. In the book, I'm not going to call him that, but in the book, like, Harold calls him Eddie throughout the entire thing. Call him old Eddie, yeah. Yeah, it it just doesn't seem fitting for him. Uh. We need to dive into the life of his parents. We will start off with the tragic beginning of his father, George Gein's life. Sometime in the year 1879, George Gein was living on a farm in Coon Valley, Wisconsin. Ooh. Jordan. Jordan. What? Jordan. <laughs> Is that, I wonder if that's still there. You know, we have Coon Rapids here. And yeah. It's kind of it's, maybe but, offensive. It's bad. <laughs> yes. It's bad, I think. At, when, uh, the, when Creeper Real was here. Mm. Ashley was like, what did you say when I was talking about Coon? I was just like, yeah, my cousin lives in Coon Rapids. She's like, what did you say? And she's from Texas. (laughs) Coon Valley is about 15 miles outside of La Crosse, Wisconsin, which I'm familiar with. Are you guys? Oh, yeah. Come on. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever been Where do you think I go to Oktoberfest? Where do you think we live Mm. in Minnesota? I like how there's La Crosse, Wisconsin. You go across the bridge, La Crescent, Minnesota. Mm. I love that. Mm. George's mother, father, and older sister had boarded a wagon and headed off to do run errands in the nearest town, but a sudden flash flood struck their wagon while crossing the Mississippi River, which was already high because of perhaps excessive rain, which is known to happen in this area. Certainly. 
the three members of the family were swallowed up by the Mississippi, and George Gein would be left an orphan at only three years old. Oh. I was thinking about this. They just left the three-year-old wherever like they to were his living. own devices. They just <laughs> left him there. We'll be back. Yeah. Take care of yourself. Yeah. We're dead now. <laughs> George would then be adopted by his maternal grandparents who lived on a nearby farm. Not too much else is known about George's hot childhood outside of in his teens. He worked as a blacksmith's apprentice Damn. and slaved away with the handful. What is it? Anvil and hammer. Uh, Anvil. (laughs) (laughs) Anvil and hammer for several years before deciding it was time to make it on his own and leave his grandparents. Was he probably doing like horseshoes and stuff? Uh, Right. And he just said, whatever, I don't know. Whatever needs blacksmith, I suppose. I suppose in like the early 1900s, blacksmithing was probably like still a thing, I imagine, right? Yeah, but I like thinking about swords and armor (laughs) when I hear blacksmith. (laughs) I have a feeling this is just for like random... Junk, yeah. probably wagon axles. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> After departing from his grandparents' home, George moved into the burgeoning city of La Crosse, Wisconsin. Ooh. It seemed George developed a bit of a habit of drifting from one job to the next. Oh. He would work such jobs such as selling insurance, carpentry, working at a tannery, working for the city's power plant, and also. The Chicago, Milwaukee, and St. Paul Railway. He's a renaissance man. He is. Mm-hmm. He, he kind of reminds me of Jordan a yeah. little bit. Yeah. He reminds Rolling me of you, Jordan. Yeah. Jordan, Jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> your child is going to be uh, Ed Gein. You better Oh, God. Know. No, George Gein. Well, we're talking about George yeah, Gein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I see what you're saying now. Maybe uh, Amy... Well, once we get into his mom, maybe that'll remind you of Amy a little bit, Jordan. Oh, boy. I hope not. Oh, boy. <laughs> actually, actually, they do have something in common with both of you that we'll get to. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> now, most believe his constant swapping of jobs had less to do with his work ethic and more to do with his growing addiction to alcohol. Oh. Often, George would complete his work for the day and immediately head to the bar and burn all of his earnings away. Isn't that just called life? Maybe an early, I don't know. He, he's not a good man, I'll say that. For a man who had lost his family at a young age and whose grandparents raised him in a cold, loveless home, he seemed a bit lost in life. Perhaps a nice lady could set him on the right path and revitalize his purpose. Certainly. Enter Augusta. Behind every great man is an equally better woman. <laughs> I don't know if she's a better woman. Well, she's uh, you know what? I think she's going to put George on the right you path. You think so? She's going to fix his life? I think she's going to turn his ass around. Get some ambition, George. <laughs> now, Augusta had a much different childhood than George did. Hmm. She came from a large, industrious family with half a dozen, a dozen siblings. What? George was playing with stickers. Stop it. <laughs> Augusta's parents had immigrated from Germany in 1870 and often raised their children with old world values derived from the holy book itself, which included a healthy dose dosage of beatings, mm which obviously God has commanded them to do. In turn, it will come as no surprise that it would influence Augusta's extreme religious views. She would do some beatings for Jesus as well? She, yes. Later hey, in life, she's How do you think my it. kids are going to get raised? <laughs> yeah. George and Augusta right away here. Yeah. <laughs> now, Augusta, around the time of meeting George, 
is what one would consider to be a bit thick. She's Perhaps a rotund woman? She's, she's robust. Okay. Perhaps even homely looking. Oh. Her attractiveness would have came for fierce determination, unwavering confidence, and confound devotion to her Lutheran faith. A strong, she's, zealous woman. She is. Now see the connection there, Jordan. Mm. You and Amy are both mm. strong Lutherans. True. <laughs> are you True. not? Are you denying it? Do you deny yes. your faith? No, you don't. No, he does it. <laughs> now, George and Augusta may be the perfect example of when opposites attract. Opposites attract you know. <laughs> You like Paula Abdul? I love her. All right. My favorite um, American Idol judge. Mm. Oh, yes. <laughs> but it does kind of make sense that George would find stability and a large family attractive in a main... But what maybe would have made Augusta attracted to George was per perhaps the ability to control such a weak, dour man, but still had the sexiest feature a man could to Augusta. Ooh. He was a practicing Lutheran. Uh, I see. Uh, see, you gave me the rope-a-dope <laughs> there. Yeah, it's all about the Lutheran faith. But I thought you were going to say he could cook a mean chili. No, I don't think he can do anything. That's too bad. The way the book describes him, he basically is like a zombie. Like He's like a zombie from Shaun of the Dead. He just kind of like mopes around. A drunken puppet mm. for Augusta's <laughs> fantasies. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the two would be married on December 4th, 1899, but the honeymoon phase didn't seem to last too long oh. for the newly found lovebirds. What do you think a wet what do you think you do at a wedding in 1899? You read the latest <laughs> uh, what's that British author's name that wrote Scrooge? Charles Dickens book. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. That's what you do for fun? I guess so. <laughs> I think you might take communion. Yeah. Well, not if you're a Lutheran, right? It's it's funny because she's... Yeah, Lutherans take communion. Do they? Do yeah. They? I thought that was just the Catholics. Yeah, I thought it was just yeah. Catholics, too. Okay. Well, I always viewed the Lutherans as, like, the laziest of the Christians. Yeah. Like Soft they're, Catholic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, I don't know, are Methodists extreme? In their own way. Okay. Yeah. I know Baptists, Baptists are, are crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Methodists make a good baked potato, I mm. learned today. Is that made from the body of Christ, too, or not? I hope so, because <laughs> I had one. I love when we refer to, like, Catholics and their weird interest in cannibalism because they're eating the flesh of God or yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's kind of true. Augusta would quickly assume the role as the tyrant of the household... George, as we know, has a less than impressive work ethic and a lingering drinking problem, mm -hmm. and Augusta loved to berate him about it, Ooh. often referring to him as a lazy dog yeah. or other such demeaning insults. Yeah, she's pretty abusive, and she <laughs> loves that her victim is just a spineless little <laughs> drunken cuck. Is he a cuck? Uh, no, probably not, but he is a drunken little twerp. <laughs> it sounds like anyway. It I don't really, want to cast aspersions. It does. It sounds like he was like slight of frame, but he was kind of like ripped from like blacksmithing. Yeah, from oh, working his entire life. That, yeah, he's a real Gendry. Work, working. He's got those man muscles. He's got man blacksmith muscles. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the time, instead of taking a stand against Augusta, George would just bury himself deeper into his personal solitude, often remaining silent. Their home would often be filled with nothing but an uncomfortable, eerie silence. On rare occasions when George returned home drunk from the bar, 
He would finally snap after Augusta's constant berating of him, and he would hit her with an open hand over and over again. It's legal in wrestling. Is it? An yeah. open hand? Yeah, you can't close hand. You At can slap that. someone in wrestling. Oh, yeah. Like WWE or like... Oh, yeah, that's how you're supposed to do it. Okay. At least back in the day. I know the, like, the chest slap. Yeah, the chest. But I'm saying in your type of wrestling, like high school oh, wrestling. Oh, no, no, no. Collegiate oh, amateur wrestling, no. <laughs> yeah, no, you can't do that there. <laughs> I There's thought no that's slap. what you were saying. But I will say I was in the same boat as Cody for a second. Cause sure. I, I, thought I know like... you did wrestle in high school, and I was like... Did he know a rule? I didn't. <laughs> you just slap him all over. As much as you want. Right on the behind. You're a bad boy. I, I, I kind of like to watch that. Yeah. Just them slapping each yeah. other. Slap boxing. <laughs> Augusta would still be yelling and throwing insults at George the entire time he was hitting her. More, Most of the time after the beatings, Augusta would sit on her knees and pray to God for her, her husband's death. While their marriage was most certainly a toxic one, <laughs> that's healthy. Augusta thought perhaps a child could alleviate some of their problems. Ah, uh, the greatest gonna... mistake in the book. <laughs> I'm going to say she thought wrong. I think everyone that does this thinks wrong. I'm having problems. Let's just have a kid. That'll well, fix everything. Let's solidify our lives for the next 18 years with a contra- a flesh contract. <laughs> but there was another problem. Augusta, being a devout Christian woman viewed sexual intercourse as something that should only be done for consummation. Mm. Sex for procreation, (laughs) now recreation. (laughs) It was also known how disgusted with merely just the thought of sex Augusta was. Her views on other women and how almost all of them were nothing more than just whores and harlots. Jesus. (laughs) That is her words, dude. She's fucking, she's hardcore. (laughs) She's very hardcore. And they would play a role in the lives of her children because obviously she'd be chastising them about it. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And I'm sure that's that's a comfortable thing to be yelled <laughs> at about. Did your dad ever talk to you this way, Jordan? Uh-uh. Tell you how evil women were? No. <laughs> Did your mom? Probably. Yeah. Mom, I think that's a mom's they're gonna, job. They're going to corrupt poor sweet Jordan. Yeah. Our little baby. <laughs> Either way. Augusta would muster the courage to bang George at least one time, get pregnant, and on January 17, 1902, give birth to their first child, Henry Gein. Hank! Soon after Henry's birth, George would find himself unemployed once again, and Augusta determined there was only one solution to their problems. What is it? Another baby? Not quite yet. Oh, and that was for George to become self-employed and oh. run his own store. Oh. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea with this dipshit. <laughs> okay, kid didn't work. Let's get a grocery store. Yeah, let's open up a shop. <laughs> I wish it was this easy to open up stores nowadays. No kidding. Right? They were poor. He was an al- unemployed alcoholic, and he opens up a fucking store. I was watching Deadwood last night, mm. and uh, it's they just pay 20 bucks a day, and they can have their <laughs> hardware tent up. Ah. Uh. I wish those days would come back. That's a good show. So in 1909, George Gein became the owner and operator of a small meat and grocery shop at 19 or 914 Caledonia Street in La Crosse, Wisconsin. But Next again, time I'm there, I'm going to find it. You should find it, dude. Maybe it's still open. But again, it didn't take too long for jo- for George to once again fail at this career. What? In the beginning of the business, George would always be listed as the owner. Mm-hmm. But within two years, 
the owner's name would switch over to Augusta, and George would be listed as nothing more than just a clerk. <laughs> Doesn't even have a management position. No. All right. She swapped that right from him. He has no ambition. He has no drive. Nothing. The what? only thing he wants is booze. I feel like he just can't physically do anything right. Yeah. Like, he's just one of those dummies. He just can't do anything. Just a failure. Mm-hmm. And like, then this domineering woman just, like, attached her. She, I think she likes the control. I think so. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. Augusta was a domineering and slightly abusive woman, but one has to admire her unwavering work ethic, which will really speak volumes later in her life. Now, a few years before the Gins had opened their own grocery store, Augusta would once again allow George to have sex with her. Hooray! Presumably for the second time. <laughs> like, okay, I'm thinking about this. If this girl is this mean to you, how can you even... Get it up. Yeah, and you're drunk all the time. Like, I don't know. It, like, I just don't know. Like, I don't know. It seems hard. Like, is it like prison? Where it's <laughs> like you, you're, you're allowed to finally do it? So it's like... You know what? This is obviously taken, I think, from Ed's recollection of his parents or, like, other people. So maybe they didn't hate each other quite as much. Yeah, we don't know how, be- how, de- how dead their bedroom was. Yeah, maybe they fucked like champions. Yeah. I don't know. We don't know. Maybe she pegged him and then... Listen. Or maybe she... That would make him a lucky man. What? what? What do those girls do to NBA stars? They suck them off, hold a cum in their mouth, and then get themselves pregnant. Have you ever heard that? No. You've never heard of that before? Nope. I don't know. It was on Ray Donovan. Okay, that's know. a that's a trust. <laughs> Leaf Leaf Shriver never has uh, led me down a wrong path before. Sabretooth. <laughs> Thank you, Showtime. Thank you, Sabretooth. I don't know. Maybe that's not true. Anyway, it was well known that Augusta didn't feel particularly close to her firstborn son, mostly attributed to her de- her desire to have a daughter instead of a son. Mm. When Augusta was pregnant for the second time. She would often sit praying to God at night that he please make this one a baby girl. (laughs) On August 27, 1906, Augusta would give birth to Edward Theodore Ginn while she was disappointed that God had portrayed her with making this one another boy. She vowed she could meld Ed into the type of child that she wanted. A new man. Right. Well... Woman, man? I don't know. A new male. A new male. Okay. That's the proper term? I have no idea. (laughs) I've heard that term before, and I don't know if it's offensive or not. So is it like new metal? I think it's N-U male, yeah. Okay. All right. It works. Unsurprisingly, Augusta would accomplish just that and held Ed on a different pedestal than Henry. Mm. In turn, Ed held his mother to a higher standard than any other woman could ever hope to achieve. So he was mama's little boy. Super mama's boy. He's like way beyond mama's boy. He's well past mama's boy? Yeah. Jordan, Couple exits past. George, are you mama's boy? Did you, you call him George? George. <laughs> you call Jordan. Him George. Damn it. Okay, god damn it. Listen, I love my mama. Yeah, are you a mama's boy? I mean, to an extent, yeah. <laughs> I'd kill for my mother. Would you? If I had to, sure. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, that, that's nothing wrong with that. I mean, some of us in this room love our mother. I love my mother, too. Uh, I love my mother, too. Would you we kill all for love... Joe? Depends. What are we killing? Person. Mm. The most dangerous game? <laughs> Perhaps. Good. I think she would kill him herself, so I probably, wouldn't have to worry. Yeah, probably. <laughs> 
Later in life, even mentioning his mother would bring tears to his eyes. He viewed her as an absolute goddess, even if he felt like he could never actually completely satisfy Augusta. What the fuck? She's a tough cookie, dude. Yeah, man. Take, for example, one incident when Ed was roughly about seven years old. Augusta had given him a few coins and told him to head to the local German bakery and pick up a fresh loaf of bread. Mm. When Ed finally reached the shop, he soon learned he had lost all the coins somehow. Mm -hmm. He sat on the street for a long time, too terrified to return home and have to inform his mother that he had failed her. When he finally mustered the courage to return home and face the music, he stared up at his mother with his eyes full of tears and told her that he had lost the money. Augusta simply replied to him, You dreadful child, only a mother could love you. Wow. (laughs) 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 While disappointed with Ed, she still loved him more than anything. Ed also has some memories of when his family owned the grocery store. Mostly how Augusta did nearly all of the work, waiting on the customers, operating the cash register, and balancing the books, while his father, George, just shuffled around the store rearranging goods (laughs) at Augusta's instructions and occasionally delivering groceries. That kind of sounds like a dude I worked with at Kmart. (laughs) Really? He's a shuffler? Yeah, like he'd shuffle around and he was just like a stalker. Shelf stalker. I wonder if he they were getting like government assistance. For oh, that. I think they were. Yeah, I love shufflers. But he's just like, hey, bud, can you do this for me? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Another another memory Ed had was that of a mysterious windowless building behind the grocery store. He was forbidden to enter. Ooh. Of course. When you tell somebody that they cannot enter somewhere... I need to get in there. Curiosity will soon overtake any sort of fear of repercussion. Oh, yeah. Ed would witness cows and pigs being led into the building and then occasionally hear the animals screaming behind the closed door. One fateful day, Ed made his way to the building and took a peek through the slightly open door. He witnessed his father holding a slaughtered hog steady while it was hanging down, chained from the ceiling. Then his beloved mother took a long-bladed knife, slicing the hog open and Ooh. disemboweling the animal. Ooh. Ed would forever remember the memory of his parents wearing long aprons and being covered completely in blood. I was going to say, it's probably their secret sex dungeon. <laughs> what if that that's what they're into, like banging while they're slaughtering animals? Do you guys know the band American Head Charge? Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This reminds me of the music video for... Wait, did they the have the hog thing? They, yeah. They oh, had, yeah. Had, it was like uh, the one that was like based on Henry Lee Lucas, too. Mm. Yeah. I watched, when I was younger, my dad had just shot a deer, mm-hmm. and they took it to the local locker, and we were sitting back there watching them do this to it, like... It, my dad obviously always like field dressed the deer, but yeah. the carcass in there, and I was watching him peel the skin off of it mm-hmm. and like break all the bones. It was quite a sight. Oh yeah, I was very young, and it was my quite family a sight. did that ourselves. Oh, you did. At my grandpa's shed, everyone would roll up with their deers, and yeah, we'd skin them and you know let them dry out for the night or whatever, mm-hmm. and then we'd process them the next day ourselves. Wow. Okay. All right, maybe my dad just didn't feel like doing that. Yeah, it it's was a lot work. of work. Yeah, well, the I like remember- the only thing we didn't make was the summer sausage. Mm. 
Well, I remember the the butcher had like he'd hook a chain up to the skin, and then the machine just ripped it right off. Sure. <laughs> yeah, no, we used easier. our hands. Yeah, it's a lot easier with a machine, I think. Mm-hmm. Finally, in 1913, Augusta had managed to accumulate enough money to try to advance the family to a new, perhaps more profitable career and take them out of the big city, which she already kind of despised. Sure. It's full of harlots. She does feel that way. And that new career was to purchase their own farm. Around this time, there was money to be made in the world of dairy and rye farming. Hell yeah. So Ooh, I haven't heard of rye farming for a while. Apparently, that's a thing. Oh, yeah. So they would purchase a small dairy farm around Camp Douglas, about 40 miles east of La Crosse. Where's, do you know where that is? Uh, it's where the fucking Badgers play, right? No, that's Camp Randall, and that's oh. in downtown <laughs> Madison. That's in Madison, dude. <laughs> Uh, were the Badgers around in 1913, Jordan? I think the, so. The college probably was. was I don't know if the Badgers, if they were called the Badgers then, but... Mm, maybe they were like the Rye Farmers. I just want to take a quick yeah. moment to shout out them uh, crushing Central Michigan. Mm, yeah, I'm sure it's really hard to beat a Division Three <laughs> school, Jordan. All, all the games today were all just terrible. Yeah, it's what like was the, Bowling Green versus Kansas? Oh, or something. No, I heard Michigan versus Army was actually that good. One, that one it went was to good. two overtimes. But like... All of them were like sixty to zero yeah. or something. Yeah, the Badgers like, won sixty-one yeah, to zero. That's disgusting. The first like three weeks of college football is just not great because yeah. it's just like beating the shit out of crappy teams. Yeah, you just hey. got tomato cans lined up. <laughs> the Minnesota Golden Goofers almost lost to South Dakota State last yeah, week. Yeah, they're not good. How many times do you guys say they're not good? Nobody's ever said they were good. <laughs> but. For unknown reasons, they would only last here for about a year before moving again. In 1914, they would purchase the 195-acre farm just outside of Plainfield, Wisconsin. Oh. Sounds like an exciting town. It's. I think I looked up an the, exciting meadow. The the current population I think was like 800 people. <laughs> right now. Right now. You so we could go snatch up some real estate. Probably like a yeah. five thousand dollar house. Hell Let's yeah. go. <laughs> The locals often refer to it as Old John Greenfield's Place. Oh. Around this time, property was almost entirely listed under men's names, but not this time. The property what? owner would be listed under Augusta, Augusta Keen. <laughs> landowner. I feel like Augusta Augusta, that's like a very powerful name. Uh, it's like, tough. Like, they mean fucking business. That's like a Germanic warrior. <laughs> if she wasn't so mean and abusive, yeah. this would be great. Yeah. It was a nice little farm. It had a nice little two-story white house, Jordan, Ooh. not one and a half stories, with a parlor, kitchen, two bedrooms on the first floor, and five more rooms on the upsta- in the upstairs. Ooh. It's a beautiful farmhouse. It's yeah. a big fucking house. And also, it's not a small farm. Two, basically 200 acres. Well, the house was small. Well. The house was small. But it had a lot of rooms. It had a lot of rooms. Oh, it had a too. lot of room. Outside was a decently sized barn, a chicken coop, and an equipment shack. We call those pole sheds. What? An equipment shack? Yeah. Okay. All right. Call it a pole barn then if you want. It was a very nice little farm for the Geens to get started. Mm. Now, Augusta would furnish the home with multiple pieces of elegant items she had collected over the years. There was another particular thing about Augusta. 
She seemed to have a slight OCD about cleanliness. Okay. She might not have the nicest farm in Wisconsin, but she was going to make damn sure it was the cleanest and tidiest, which is ironic of how Ed would treat the house later in his <laughs> life. So she, like, collected all these little tchotchkes yeah. and furniture. She and- had all these, you know, like... I feel like when I was reading the description, it felt like shit my grandma would have in her house. Exactly. That's like, exactly what I was thinking. Phyllis Pelenny. I was thinking of her. <laughs> she, uh, she used to have all this dumb shit. <laughs> Another plus in Augusta's eyes about the farm was its location. It was roughly about six miles outside of the actual town of Plainfield. Their nearest neighbor was the Johnsons, located a quarter mile down the road. Other than that... It was nothing but a des- but desolate meadows and woods surrounding him. Now, the town of Plainfield had a Catholic, Methodist, and Baptist church, but not a Lutheran church. Oh. I feel like that's about to change with Augusta. Nope. In Augusta's eyes, what reason would she really have to interact with the other citizens of Plainfield as much as Augusta would have liked to kept her sons from the corruption of the outside world? It was unavoidable. Sure. When Ed was eight years old, he attended, what do you think that is, Rochi? Rochiachi? Rochochi? Rochiachi? Rochochi? Rochiachi! Grade school, a tiny one-room building filled with a dozen other students. Later, we'll say that one more time. Rochiachi! <laughs> would merge with another county school, the White School. It's literally what it's called. Okay. I don't think it's racist. Listen, we're in those times. It's, I don't know if it's but racist. I don't think says, those people know what a black person is. <laughs> Maybe not. You don't think so? Maybe not. Plainfield, Wisconsin in <laughs> 1913, <laughs> where Ed would complete his formal education at the age of 16. Oh, so he's a smart guy. We're going to learn. While Ed, later in life, would be graded as having about an average IQ yeah, he, I've always heard he was kind of stupid. He he was. Okay. He was about as mediocre of a student as one can be. He did well enough to just pass his classes, but he wasn't going to impress anybody yeah. by any means. Hey, that's me. <laughs> hey, <laughs> fucking mediocre? C's get degrees. That's right, baby. Uh, there was one subject he was good at, though. Reading. Mm. So and, he's the opposite of you. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yes, Jordan. Ed loved to busy his younger years with reading books and magazine. It was relaxing, and you can learn a lot from a good book. As far as the social aspect of school, Ed does not have such fond memories. Oh, really? He no, got bullied? Just a little. By the 11 other kids in his school? <laughs> when other kids would talk about normal subjects, such as complaining about chores. Video games. I bet they had some sweet ones. <laughs> talking about local gossip. Or about the upcoming donkey derby at the Plainfield <laughs> Auditorium. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I was like, "What the fuck is a donkey? You think it's they're actually exactly what you're racing like. donkeys? Yes. Okay, all right. How fast can a donkey go? I, I feel bet like they're they can fast haul. enough for an entertaining derby. <laughs> I bet they can haul a little bit of ass. As the local Wisconsin expert here, Jordan, have you ever been to a donkey derby? I have not, but I did watch a tractor pull today. Ah, oh, hell yeah! Yeah, it'll happen. They have those in Iowa for sure. But anyway, Ed could never really figure out how to make those emotional connections with his peers. Sure. On the few rare occasions Ed would make a friend at school, he would rush home and tell his mother, Mommy. who would be less than excited to hear that he had made a new friend. Of course. She you would... don't hang out with those Catholics. <laughs> 
she would begin by talking him out of it, telling Ed how despicable the boy's family was. Wow. His father's dark past or how the boy's mother was nothing more than just a whore. Jesus. She's not nice. Ooh. She's not setting up old Ed for success here. <laughs> no. With the ladies later on. <laughs> Augusta's tone would start as condescending mm. and slowly morph into full-out screaming. Sure. Starts with, like, disappointing yeah. condescension and then just like, the anger. He's, Johnny's mom is a yeah, whore. Yeah. You can't be hanging out with him. Yeah. Ed would then run off crying and retreat to his room. The next day at school, Ed would avoid the new friend like the plague. Sure. His mother's voice was booming enough to destroy any sort of connection Ed would make with anybody. Ed's classmates spoke about how there was always just something a little different about Ed. (laughs) (laughs) Outside of Ed's complete lack of social competence, there were a few other little quirks, such as his constant isolation or how when he would talk to you, his eyes would constantly shift back and forth, often accompanied by a lopsided grin, which he would be known for. For the rest of his life, like the grin would go back and forth too, or just like the, uh, always, like when he smirks, it always sounds like like half of his face would go up or sure, something. Sure, like he had a grin. He always had like a grin. Like a devious. oh, like kind of the one side up, like yeah, kind of like a dummy grim grin. I don't know who That's does kind that. Of my grin is that Mr. Uh, Davis does it. Yeah, Mr. Davis. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we got to be careful because like I mean we're getting close to being <laughs> people know about us at work now. Well, if he listens, shout out Mr. Dave. We love you, dude. <laughs> you turtle. <laughs> he was also fairly well known for laughing at inappropriate times, such as when the boys were talking about when a hunting accident killed Eugene Johnson or old man Beckley's heart attack. Uh. Apparently, they talk about he just burst out laughing. Yeah, well, like, that's fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, old man I, I mean, to be fair, if we're like, that fucking idiot, Eugene Johnson, yeah. got killed in a hunting accident, we'd probably laugh a little bit, too. <laughs> I mean, Eugene yeah. never was too careful with the no. guns. He was probably out with Dick Cheney. Oh, he was alive back then. <laughs> yeah, he's probably like... 15 years old back then. He was midlife crisis by this point. (laughs) He's on heart number three. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The girls in class would feel someone staring at them, and when they would turn around, they would catch Ed just leering at them in a way that made them feel almost violated. Mm. When his classmates would talk about sex and Ed overheard it, he would start blushing vigorously and slowly walk away. That's strange. <laughs> yeah. That's really strange. I just imagine that cartoon where they just turned completely red. When the uh, the sex scene in Top Gun came on, mm. I used to go behind the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> did you? Did your whole body turn red because you were blushing so hard? I was embarrassed. <laughs> the girls in class also noticed... He was a bit different from the other boys as well in the way he carried himself. Mm. He had a softness to his voice, his posture, and the way he would nervously flutter his hands was very effeminate. He's just sensitive, you know? That was literally the next sentence. The next question. Oh, really? Next statement. Ed was also known for being very sensitive and often <laughs> couldn't take a joke. Once a student made a joke about his eye. He had a fat, fleshy growth on the corner of his left eyelid Mm. that caused his eyelid to droop a little. Mm. One boy joked about Ed's, quote, saggy, baggy eye. (laughs) 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 And instantly... 
and instantly his demeanor changed and he began to cry. Oh, man. The funny part about all of this was that it only solidified everything his mother was drilling into his head about his classmates. Certainly. They were no good, evil, insensitive, and couldn't be trusted. Cruel. Just like Augusta was constantly telling him. Yep. Mummy knows best. Now, as far as back at home, Augusta did the best she could to keep the family afloat. Often, they could barely make enough money to keep food on the table. They this, have a farm. They have 200 Hold acres. Hold on. Of food. This particular region of Wisconsin was known for its infertile soil. Oh. So they so it was a constant struggle to get crops to grow so. and reap any sort any sort of profit. Understood. Now Jordan, I don't, I don't really know. They they said like it was like that sandy sandy soil. Oh, okay. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. It ain't that good Iowa soil, right, Jordan? That's right. <laughs> it ain't that good Osceola soil. Ain't they have good right. soil in Osceola. Oh, yeah. Do Some that? Good is soil. it fertile? It is very fertile. <laughs> Can you plant a baby in it? Probably. Oh. Have you had sex with a field before? You ever fucked a field? Who hasn't? <laughs> you want to get closer I to Mother imagine, Nature? I what else do you imagine do? imagine like a little hole in the field uh, there. Every every that glory size on field? your hand was way too big. Like... Like is no, there is that no, the make it sound like that? That's my hole. Is that the world's smallest vole or what? <laughs> yeah. What's going on here? We have the world's smallest mole digging on our field again, <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, secreting white liquid everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's its go fast juice. When it needs to get away from a predator, it squirts that out its butt. <laughs> <laughs> to make matters worse, George seemed to sink even deeper into his paltry existence. Mm. He would spend most of his days loafing around, mm. drinking, and abusing his wife and children. Listen, don't talk about my dream life, okay? <laughs> you want to be a loafer? Yes. <laughs> he would often be sitting sullen in an inebriated state and take out his drunken rage by whipping his children. Mm. At least until the boys reached their teenage years and they became too strong and big for George to assault them Hell any yeah. longer. They could fight back against yeah. a pathetic little drunk. <laughs> yep. Then George would focus his anger on accusing his wife of adultery, which, if we remember, couldn't even really be possible no. seeing as Augusta was so disgusted by even the thought of sex. She hates dicks a she, lot. Ugh. And she hates men a lot. Oh, yes, she does. And women. She hates yeah. everybody. But why did she want a daughter so bad? So she could, like, shape it so in she, her image? make her a good Lutheran girl, maybe? Okay. I don't know. Oh, goddamn. She's a hateful woman. <laughs> Not to mention that Augusta hated associating with the other citizens of Plainfield and generally buried herself with work on the farm anyway, so she wouldn't have time to go be banging some stranger. Yeah. When the boys got old enough to travel to town for their monthly provisions, Augusta literally would never leave the farm, and obviously with such a deadbeat husband, one would expect they could just divorce. Truth. But because of Augusta's devout faith, that was out of the question. Oh, good God. Hey, you know how, you're a Lutheran. You know how that is. You can't be divorcing. I know so many divorced Lutherans. <laughs> I've I've been divorced. Oh, Jordan's divorced. Oh, shit. Man, I wish Augusta was here to fuck you up. Me too, man. <laughs> He's just a whore. <laughs> he is. This was obviously not the ideal situation for any child to grow up in. <laughs> nope. Ed had no stable father figure to look up to, and his mother, Augusta, was constantly warning him about the dangers of the outside world. Some of her favorite activities to do with her children included 
sitting in her rocking chair and reciting Bible passages yeah. from memory. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> she memorized the bitch? She memorized them. That's My a, girl. That's a flex. <laughs> My girl. She would warn them that a second great flood was on the horizon Uh-oh. and would wash away the sins of the modern woman or read passages from Revelations or recite... This passage from Proverbs. I'm going to read it here. Proverbs. 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 <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> the, <laughs> the lips of a strange woman drop honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But her latter end is as bitter as worms would, <laughs> sharp as a two-edged sword. Now thereafter... Now therefore, my son... Hearken unto me, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh the door of her house. For why shouldest thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman, and embrace the bosom of a stranger? What, my son? And what, O son of my womb? And what, O son of my vows? Give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. Ooh. So is that in the Bible for real? Like, yeah, apparently. Fuck, fuck your own in mouth. In Proverbs. It's, yeah, it, it must be Old Testament, right? Because yeah, every other old. woman's pussy is made out of... Uh, p- 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 well, I, it's going to slice your dick up like a, two, <laughs> a two-edged sword? It's bitter like whatever it was it's called? A, it's Wormswood. Like, Wormswood. It says a woman's womb basically destroys kings, so... Yeah. How does she memorize that? Uh, I think hates. she has the entire Bible memorized, <laughs> to be quite hatred. honest She's with full you. full of zealous hatred. Ugh. After the passage, Augusta would reach down and hold her children's hands and make them promise they would not become corrupted by the harlots of the world. While Ed was doomed to follow his mother's message, his brother Henry, at least in his teenage years, was able to rebel against his mother's preachings, at least for a while. Oh, so he was banging. It didn't say if he was banging, but he was interested in women. Yeah, he was. He was rebellious. You know, sure. he's like, "Fuck you, mom! I yeah. want to meet a girl or whatever." Yeah, I want, I want to be nice, regular, nice plain field dime. Certainly, <laughs> let me get a plain field six. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but soon, even he would give into a life of bachelorhood, jumping to the year nineteen thirty-seven. Never George, forget. <laughs> George Gein's health was starting to fail. He had spent most of his life drinking it away mm. in an unhappy existence. It was now having to rely on his family that detested him. Yeah, the ones he used to beat yeah. and scream at. To take care of him. Yeah, be careful. Until three years later, on April 1st, 1940, a mere three days from his 67th birthday, George would pass away. That's a hell of an April Fool's joke. <laughs> he made it a he made it a good long the cocksucker made it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Isn't it always drunks like they they never die? I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're they're like genetic freaks, I think. <laughs> I'm immortal. But those are the survivors, you mm, know what I mean? Yeah. There are several people that have tried to walk that path that uh that didn't Maybe get away. Maybe it's so only easy. the ones I get old that you remember. That's because they're the ones that are around, you know? <laughs> yeah. Funny part was his funeral would literally be held on his birthday, wow. which was April 4th, <laughs> wow. 1940. The services were held at R.A. Uh, R. Galt's 
combination furniture store and funeral parlor. <laughs> Ooh. Guys, I have an idea. That is awesome. Let's reinvent that shit. <laughs> if you're looking for somewhere comfy to sit for the rest of your life, look Can, no further. What do they do? Just like push the furniture to the wall? Are or you just kidding like me? They can make no, a I, killing. I was going to say, I think they arrange the furniture <laughs> on the showroom floor. I, when I read that, I couldn't quite laugh. And that is an awesome combination. That's fantastic. Now, to Augusta's chagrin, the funeral was led by a Methodist preacher. Ooh. You know, she well, she might have been happy because she, was she hated him. She glaring the entire time. <laughs> now, with George gone, the Gein family didn't even really seem to skip a beat because George really, really never contributed anyway. Sure. If anything, it was probably just one less mouth to feed. Sure. They had barely scraped by this entire time. They had so little extra money, they couldn't even make a single update to the home from purchasing it in 1914. It would never have electricity or running water. Yeah, I was about to ask about plumbing. No, never had it. That's out the question. In 1942, the world's greatest war was raging on, and Ed was still eligible for the draft and would make the 130-mile journey to Milwaukee Henry was too old at this point, but Ed was still 36. Mm, what was the cutoff? 40? It must be 40, yeah. I don't know. I was like 36. Jesus I know. Christ. You're an, you're an old man <laughs> at that point. <laughs> this would be the furthest Ed would have ever traveled from home and the furthest he would ever travel from home. Whether or not this is a good thing, Ed would not be eligible to be drafted because of his sagging eye. Oh. It slightly impaired his vision, and they didn't want him. Saved by the eye sag. <laughs> I feel like they were pretty desperate then. I mean, when the eye thing... Yeah, I think they'd was... look past a saggy baggy eye. Uh, there was dudes getting medically discharged all over the place that mm. were hanging themselves because they couldn't go fight Hitler. Oh, you know? really? Oh, yeah. I think my grandpa couldn't go because they found something with his heart. No. He had a club foot. Uh-huh. I think he had a club foot, so they wouldn't take him. Those guys were embarrassed when oh, they were I bet. So they killed themselves. Well, that's too bad. Yes. So Ed returned home and found random jobs to do around Plainfield. Ed was known to be a bit of a handyman. He would hang windows, patch roofs, paint houses, and repair fences for the local neighbors. Hell yeah. Make yourself useful to the community. Oh, yeah. Now, for a future serial killer... It is a bit strange to know one of his other jobs he was apparently very good at was babysitting. What? <laughs> He's got the mind of a child, right? Right. Kids always seemed to like Ed, and he was always good with them. Yeah. He would roughhouse with the boys and do magic tricks for the girls. He would have snowball fights with them in the winter and buy them ice cream in the summer. He was not a pedophile as far as we know, but seemed to bond easier with children, even though as a young child he could not create any tangible bonds with sure, his man. classmates. Sure. Ooh, maybe he just wanted them to have the fun and childhood experience that, that he never, he never got. Had, that's a good point, actually. I never even thought about yeah, that. I don't think it's malicious. No, 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 no. Because no. obviously, as we find out, and as we know, he likes old women, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. Old he likes Lutheran Germans. Yeah, yeah. Now, as far as Henry goes... Ed always said how much he admired his brother because of his work ethic. At one point, Henry would work as a foreman overseeing a crew of Jamaican farm laborers. Damn. Ooh. 
That Why? sounds borderline illegal. <laughs> it probably was. Yeah. I left out the quote from Ed where he's like, I could barely believe that he could handle those guys. Like, <laughs> it's a little outdated there, Ed. <laughs> Ed and Henry had a very close brotherly bond and would often do several activities together, including hunting rabbits and squirrels. But there was one thing that they always seemed to disagree about, and that was their mother, Augusta. On more than one occasion, Henry would criticize Ed's overbearing attachment to his mother, mm. which Ed could never understand. Ed, He'd be like, hey, Ed, you got to stop being weird to mom now. We're like 40 and 50. <laughs> We're 40. You got to quit breastfeeding, Ed. Come on. <laughs> You've really got to stop being mom's honestly, little angel. Honestly, Ed kind of reminds me of the neighbor over there. He's just creepy. He's like 50 years old. He won't leave his house. Yeah. Just like, come on, dude. Scary. Yeah, very. Ed would have to face another loss in his life in 1944. And that is when his brother died suddenly in an apparent accident. His only oh, friend. No. Right. The day was Tuesday, May 16, 1944. Ed and Henry were burning brush, which was nothing too uncommon for the Gein brothers to do, or even farmers to do in general. Sure. I've done this you got to burn times. the brush. Yeah. You got to. Where else is it going to go? I think you do it to promote regrowth, right, Absolutely. or something. Yeah. But my grandpa, uh, <laughs> he's he's had a runaway fire one or once or twice in his life. I know he has because he'd set the fire, then he'd just disappear for a few hours. <laughs> be like, oh, it'll be fun. I'll be back in a bit. Check on it. <laughs> There'd be a runaway fire. That was my grandpa. <laughs> what a beast. <laughs> Henry apparently got caught within a runaway fire and would die. Fuck. According to Ed later on about the accident. First off, the fire was Henry's idea. Ed had tried to talk him out of it, but Henry insisted. The grass was particularly dry this day, and when a huge gust of wind came through, it oh, fueled the flames and sure. quickly spiraled out of control. Ed was frantically trying to put out the fire, and when he finally managed to do so, he couldn't locate his brother. It was beginning to get dark, and Ed went to the local police to get help. Now, this is the point when speculation on whether Ed would have actually murder, murdered his brother comes into play. I don't think so. When Deputy Sheriff Frank Engel arrived on scene with Ed, somehow Ed had magically taken them right to where Henry's body was laying lifeless. Even though he couldn't find him before he went for the right. police? Okay. Right. Let me go through the story, and then I got my speculation on this. Secondly... Henry was laying face down in patches of land that had been very clearly been scorched by the fire, yet Henry's body showed no signs of being burned by the flames. Hmm. His clothes were covered in soot, but they were not damaged by the fire either. Upon examination of his body, they noticed funny bruises on his head. When they asked Ed how he was so easily able to locate his brother's body, Ed shrugged and said, Funny how that works. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect defense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just the damnedest works. thing. <laughs> when the coroner did a full examination of Henry, they determined he had died of, of asphyxiation and there was no foul play. Obviously, as we know later on of Ed's activities, it brings into question, could Ed have murdered his brother? But for what reason? Most believe that Henry was simply overtaken by smoke and heat and when he fell, he hit his head on a rock. Sure. Others say that Henry was known to have a bad heart, 
And when he struggled with the flames, he had a coronary. So my thing, my thing is like with him being on the burnt grass, right? Right. I could see Ed, or he died, and Ed was freaking out and moved his body. Sure. So mm-hmm. like, I try and yeah, CPR try to save him. Yeah. 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 It was like you said. It was like his really good friend. Why would he murder him? Yeah. Just because he was talking mess about Augusta. His mom. Yeah. 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 I don't. I really don't think. I don't that's, see it. Yeah. Either way, in May of 1944. The Furniture Funeral Parlor had another Ginn's funeral to host. Fuck. Not too long after Henry's death, tragedy would strike the Ginn household once again. If you say Augusta, <laughs> I don't know if that's tragedy. You don't think so? Her dying no. to Ed is a tragedy. Yeah. One day, Augusta was complaining of feeling faint and sickly. Ed would quickly load his mother into his truck and head towards Wild Rose Hospital. <laughs> By the time they arrived, Augusta... Had to be taken inside by a wheelchair Shit. because she was too weak to stand on her own. She had suffered a stroke, but Whoa. survived. Ooh. She's still alive. While Augusta was hospitalized, Ed would visit her every single day, and Augusta would tell Ed what he would need to do on the farm while she was in the hospital. Okay. okay. Can you imagine visiting your mom in the hospital? She has a checklist of chores for you to do. <laughs> Gosh. I was going to say at first, like, visiting your mom every single day after she has a stroke. I'd do the same thing. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, if she's, uh, if she's giving me errands, she's maybe like, my visits would be a little like, less. Adam, Swiffer the floor, dust this room, uh, vacuum this room. Pick, change the cat litter. <laughs> at night, Ed would sit by her side reciting to her some of her favorite Bible passages. Perfect. Such as one of her personal favorites, Psalm 6. By mid-1945, Augusta was finally able to begin walking again and would return home. She just hopped right back into her duties on the farm, almost like nothing had happened. That's probably not smart. No, not at all. You're probably going to want to switch it up to be a little more post-stroke friendly. No, no, no. Now, the following incident that happened in the winter of 1945 would cause Ed to lose his temper later in life believing it perhaps was the reason why his mother would lose her life. The night in question, Augusta informed Ed they must drive over to the Smith farm to retrieve straw for their animals. When Ed and Augusta pulled up, the farmer Smith was beating his young puppy with a heavy wooden stick. Mm, Well, that's not nice. No, that's very not nice. While the woman he was living with was crying and yelling at him at him from the porch to stop hurting the puppy. Now, what one would expect was Augusta to feel bad for the poor dog. But the truth is, she was more upset that Smith was living with a woman out of wedlock. <laughs> she uh, clearly a sign that she was a soulless harlot. She, I think she was so mad. Oh my. They left. Whoa, they didn't even get the hay? <laughs> no. She was so mad he was living with a girl out of wedlock. <laughs> Jesus. Less than a week later, on December 29th, 1945, Augusta would suffer a second stroke. That killed her. Yeah, and she wouldn't be coming back from that this. That killed one. her. Smith, Woo! you harlot. You killed Augusta. <laughs> Hell yeah. How, how dare you with, live with a man out of wedlock? <laughs> Her funeral was once again held at the furniture funeral parlor like the rest of her family. The real tragedy was that only a few of Augusta's siblings and Ed showed up to her funeral. It seems Augusta had alienated herself so much to the locals 
that none would even bother to attend her funeral. She was a real hard charger. Yeah. She was a real bitch. <laughs> a bitch. <laughs> she was mean as fuck. Yes. At this moment, Ed had lost every person in his life. He had nothing left. His mother, who he adorned so much, was now gone. Perhaps this would be the final straw that would finally take Ed over the edge and allow his madness to overcome him. Push it to the limit, Ed. Although to the citizens of Plainfield, they would never be able to tell. They certainly would notice a change in Ed, but nothing could predict what they would find out years later on. For the most part, following Augusta's death, Ed continued on with what he had been doing with one small change. And that was with the Ginn's farmstead. Ed had completely given up any upkeep with the farm work altogether. The house continued to look more and more derelict. The paint was peeling off and becoming more weathered. Ed wouldn't even take care of the grass surrounding the home. And it soon morphed into a plain. plain. Mm. Just super tall grass and all that. I remember a few farmers from Iowa would would do that. Just kind of like let it go. I used to make that argument to my parents. So you think the uh, you think the Native Americans ever <laughs> cut the grass around their teepees? Why the hell do we have to do it? I, I don't think it's legal to do that in the city, right? Nah, they'll do it for yeah, you and charge you a shitload of money. I think it's like three hundred dollars a time they mow your lawn. What? Yeah, yep. yeah, it's ridiculous. If they have to shovel your sidewalk, it's ridiculous. I think that's like five hundred. Yeah, Ed was continuing to do his random jobs around town. And would just rent out portions of the fields to other farmers for steady income. You know about that. I do know about that. Smart. Although it's, I wonder how much he was getting paid because the fucking soil was so shit. Yeah. Well, find a sand farmer. You (laughs) know what I mean? You could probably grow field corn. That shit will grow in anything. But does anybody want field corn? It's what you feed your cattle. But that's unethical. What? (laughs) That makes that that makes holes in their stomachs. Field corn. Any corn. They're not supposed to eat corn. Mm. They're designed to eat grass. Is that well? A lot of uh, uh, cow feed is like basically dust. A lot of it is basically not good, (laughs) and it makes me feel bad a lot. But just let them eat grass. I'm still gonna eat meat. Let them eat grass. Goddammit. Ed didn't need too much money to take care of himself, although later on, most of the citizens of Plainfield said Ed generally was wearing the same clothing had prominent disheveled facial hair, and more often than not smelled fairly ripe and could use a bath. Uh-oh, that's me. Oh, no. <laughs> Are you stinky linky? I'm a stinky linky. <laughs> but for the most part, those who Ed would do work for had nothing bad to say about him. Just a nice guy. Just a nice guy. Helpful Ed. Most of the housewives of the farmers Ed would do work for always mentioned that he was overly nice and considerate, but at the same time had a profound sadness that you couldn't help but just feel a little bad for him. Wow. It's because he lost the love of his life. His mother? Yep. What if the, you found out later like they had like a weird sexual relationship? That's kind of what it sounded like. Yeah. yeah. It, if only his mother liked sex, I guess. I know, right? <laughs> well, why was she reading him that, that smutty-ass Bible thing? Uh, I don't know. I don't like it. Take, for example, when a wife of someone he was doing work, work for would make a full dinner for Ed and the others he was doing work with. Ed would literally get a plateful of food, but always wait to make sure everyone else was seated before he would seat himself. He would just sit there like a weirdo in the corner and just wait for everybody to sit down, which I guess that's nothing too 
It's bad strange. About that. It's strange. It's kind of strange, but it's like, oh, he's just being overly polite. Yeah, I suppose. At least set your plate down, you know. So when all the other men were finished and would retreat outside to smoke or whatever, Ed would just sit in the kitchen and linger with the housewives. Sure. He would just kind of hang out with them. He he wanted to hear the gossip. <laughs> the men, on the other hand, like to play pranks on Ed. Take, for example, sometimes after a job, Ed would join the other workers for a beer. One time, one of the fellows got the brilliant idea of filling Ed's beer with half brandy. (laughs) Ed chugged down the entire beer without even noticing, and they just sent him home completely blasted. (laughs) In the book, Harold Schechter writes, like, his eye was sagging a little deeper tonight. Sure. (laughs) Was was he such a teetotaler that he just didn't notice the difference or what? I think he maybe just wanted to fit in. Okay. And he yeah. was just like, mm, this beer might be a little stronger than I'm used to. God but. damn. <laughs> Another time, one of these fellows planted a smoke bomb underneath the hood of Ed's truck, <laughs> then waited for Ed to come bumbling out of the house, believing his truck had just caught on fire and everyone would just laugh. Oh my. We all, we all know this type of person amongst the peers that always seems to be the guy or girl at the butt end of everybody's jokes. True. We yeah, might me. even have one at this table <laughs> right now. <laughs> my dad did this to me. Did he? I, I remember I had my car parked there and he lit a smoke bomb and threw it right under it and it was smoking and he's like, oh my God, your car's on fire. Did you shit a brick? Yeah, I can't run out. Like, oh shit, what yeah, happened? Because yeah. <laughs> it's on a farm. Like, do you, Anything could have happened to it. (laughs) Another peculiar thing about Ed was that, as we have heard earlier in the episode, he enjoyed hunting squirrels and rabbits. But Ed would always tell his peers that he would never go deer hunting with them, which obviously is a huge pastime in Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. The reason... Well, because he gets squeamish around blood and feels dressing a deer was just way too gross for Ed. Sure. Which is really odd seeing as he grew up on a farm and his parents own a grocery store where he would have been exposed to slaughtering animals. Yeah, but that cooked in his noodle at a very young age. He didn't like seeing his parents well, you covered o- in you it. obviously know what happens later on. Does that make any sense or does that just seem like a bullshit statement? I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. These people have, like, weird things. Yeah, they got weird ticks. Weird quirks. Yeah. I always remember when, uh, you know, usually around here it's winter when you kill a deer. My dad would dress it, and when he pulled the guts out, they were always steaming. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> it's quite mm-hmm. a sight. Mm-hmm. And then his dog would start eating it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Get away from there. <laughs> Which, if we believe this next part, makes Ed's statement even more interesting. People would mention his profound interest in reading true crime magazines such as Inside Crime or Startling Detective. He especially loved the ones with lured covers featuring half-naked girls being assaulted by men in trench coats. Wow. Look at my dick, honey. (laughs) Ed would constantly talk about the articles featured in the magazine with all of the gruesome details and tell them to anybody who is willing to listen. Ed later would begin to take an interest in reading about the Nazis, particularly Ilse Koch, a.k.a. the Bitch of Buchenwald. 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 (laughs) Who is accused of collecting human heads and using the tattooed skins of her victims as lampshades and book bindings. Or 19-year-old SS member Irma Grease, 
whose primary duty was selecting enfeebled women and children for extermination at Auschwitz and Belsen death camps. Jesus. He found interest in that? Yeah, he, he loves these girls. I mean, I have watched documentaries about that, but I don't know <laughs> if that would be... Like, if I ended up killing a bunch of people, would people look at my Netflix history? Oh, and... I, you know what? I bet within the next 10 years, if once one of the, a new serial killer captured, they'll be like, oh, he used to like all this shit on Netflix. Yeah. You know what's going to happen. Yeah. And that's going to be like, we're going. somebody else is going to talk about that on a true crime mindcast <laughs> later on. You know what's funny about this? Ed reads all this stuff. But and uh, he never mentions like masturbating to it or anything. Sure. He never mentions mm. like sexual release of any kind. So it's like, was he? I imagine he was getting sexual gratification from this shit, right? I hope so. You think? I don't know. Ed also enjoyed tales about South Sea adventures that included cannibals and headhunters, as well as tales of people making shrunken heads, which will make sense later in the story of Ed Gein. As time progressed and roughly five years after his mother's death, Ed started to retreat further and further into his own solitude. He began rarely even leaving his house unless to do an odd job or two or to visit a particular bar. Mm-hmm. Seeing as Ed's father was an abusive drunk, it kind of makes sense that Trickles Ed himself... Down. yeah, Well, no, he wasn't much of a drinker. He didn't want to be like his father. Oh... But there was one bar he would go out of his way to visit, and that was Mary Hogan's Tavern. Now, Mary's bar was located in Pine Grove, roughly seven miles from Plainfield. Okay. So it's the Pine Grove Tavern is the name of the bar. Ran by Mary Hogan. Mary Hogan. Shout out to our favorite ex-coworker. Alex Hogan. (laughs) Yeah, Alex Hogan. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Mary Hogan could best be described as an imposing middle-aged woman who weighed about 200 pounds and spoke in a heavy German accent. Okay, I see the appeal. I see why Ed's hanging out around here. He remind, she reminded him of his mother. Mm. But Mary was also a foul-mouthed bartender with a bit of a shady past. Not too much is actually known about Mary Hogan's past, but rumors included that she had been divorced twice had connections to the mob since she had moved to rural Wisconsin from Chicago. Sheesh. And was supposedly a big city madam at one point. Whoa. A hooker agent. (laughs) A female pimp, isn't that? (laughs) When Portage County farmer Seymour Lester entered Mary Hogan's Tavern on December 8th, 1954, he was struck by the utter silence. Which, even for a small town bar, is odd, especially since the bartender herself was nowhere to be found. That is when Seymour took notice of the blood stain on the floor and quickly contacted the sheriff's office in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. And that's where we're going to pick it up next week. Whoa! Blood, um, mysterious blood stain on Hogan's Tavern. We're going to find out what happened in her tavern next week and then we're going to get... Into all of the grueling details. Like the, the hard shit. Yeah, so. So this is the shitty Spider-Man origin story. Yes. And next week is. Uh, Spider-Man 3. We're going to f- do some dancing. <laughs> yes. We're Definitely. getting gross. We're going to fight Doc Ock. Well, yeah. gosh dang. I am excited to see where Mr. Gein takes us. Yep. Uh, I'm, we, we, I'm very interested. I'd like, I, you know, we. I really thought it'd be important to hear about his family. His dad was lazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Augusta oh, was. Oh, no, I wasn't very calling mean. this no, a no, shitty no, 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 no. I know what you mean. Yeah, his mother was uh, not nice. 
No, she was a horrible, horrible person. You cannot. You can find a picture of her. I saw a picture of her online. Not she his was a, dad. Was, she was, was she a very handsome woman? She was a very handsome, very grumpy looking woman. Yeah, <laughs> she looked grumpy in her photo of herself. She. I think she should look like a frog a little bit. Is what I think. I don't know what she looks like, but I assume frog-like. Do you remember what Ed Kemper's mom looked like? Yeah. Kind of like that. Okay. Just like So they follow a mold. (laughs) Apparently. Now, we... Now, these serial killers... Well, my kids are safe, then. Like, why... Do the mothers have a designation, like serial mothers? Because they're just as bad. Well, now, hold on, because we can't completely blame them, because Henry was fine. Henry was fine, but he wasn't doted on like, Mm. like Eddie was. His mom didn't like him because he wasn't a girl. Exactly. So. <laughs> and she liked Eddie because that was her project. Yeah. She's going to morph him into the girl, little girl she always wanted. Cody, I love it. I'm Thank glad you. we're doing Eddie. Hell yeah. I figured it's about time for a big boy. So. Oh, yeah. It is. And if you want to tell us about your big boys, you can do so at <laughs> BumblebuttPodcast at gmail.com. What's that, Adam? BumblebuttPodcast at gmail.com. As always, follow us on f- Twitter at BumblebuttPod. And on Facebook and Instagram at Bumblebutt Podcast. I haven't done this in a while, it feels like. I know, I'm in a few weeks. I think so. Now, time for the most important part of the show. At least if you ask Cody, the iTunes reviews. Let's get it. We don't have any. None. Okay, well, everybody, you know what to do. <laughs> Write the reviews. Mm. Let us know. Mm. Tell us all about how cool we are. Mm. And your darkest secret. And your biggest dick. Tell us about your own mother's mo- most favorite Bible passage. Tell me about <laughs> your favorite proverbs and, <laughs> and psalms. Psalmos. What's the wedding one? Corinthians? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love is sacred. Love is kind. Love is patient. Love is blind. I don't know what it is. All right, everybody. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. I have been Adam. Thank you. And that has been Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Adam. And Cody. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Adam. And as always, have a nice weekend unless it's Tuesday. Get enough sleep and stay hydrated. <laughs>